0: Well, good morning, all right, my name is Austin, I'm one of the teaching pastors here at LifePoint, and I just want to say thank you for being a part of worship here with us on a holiday weekend. I am so thankful to be part of a church like this where we get to come together and worship. Anybody here this morning still repenting from their Thanksgiving meal? Anybody have that third, fourth, fifth plate of turkey, guys? Anybody have all the stuffing in the house? I kid you not, my mother-in-law this weekend, I'm pretty sure she was bribing us to make sure we made the drive, but she cooked 19 pounds of prime rib. When it came time to eat, true confession is my moment of truth, get this off my chest, there were no mashed potatoes on my plate, there was no corn, there was no bread, I ate as much prime rib as I could. And it's time to move on from Thanksgiving for me. And and as a church, we're gonna move on. We got a brand new teaching series called Netflixmas. And really Netflixmas, what we're gonna be doing over the next several weeks, is looking at the movies that you love and that I love during the Christmas time of year. And we're really gonna be asking a more important question. Could it be that as we look into these stories and really most stories that we, we love to read or love to watch, could it be that there are elements of those that we love Because they echo and whisper to a greater story that your heart and my heart were designed to be a part of. And so we're going to look at these movies and see just kind of how they give a wink or a nod really to the story of Jesus. And this morning, I get the honor of talking about my number one favorite movie, not just during Christmas, but if I'm just being real, it's my favorite movie of all time, Elf. And the reason that I love Elf more than almost any other movie is because from beginning to end, I like to watch Will Ferrell and all the joy he puts into it, right? I mean, just no one gets excited as Buddy the Elf. Do you get as excited as Buddy the Elf? Matter of fact, I'd even ask the question, what would I have to tell you? What kind of news? Santa's coming to town. What kind of job news or family news would I have to give you this morning so that you would jump up and down and get that excited about whatever it is? Uh, What would you have to hear? And this morning, we're going to dive in and really take a look at how the news that we receive impacts the the kind of joy that we experience. All news really changes the joy that we're experiencing in the moment. Sometimes it multiplies the joy in our lives. Sometimes the news that we hear seems to kind of diminish the joy that we experience in life. And if you live long enough, you may just experience a moment where the news that you get kind of confuses you and it's got some joy and it's got some, you know, worry kind of mixed up in between. Uh, My wife, Ashley, and I kind of had a moment like that right at about a year and a half, maybe a little longer ago. Uh, We'd been married about nine and a half years at the time and we didn't have any kids and we were just deciding to get involved with an adoption process. And so we went and met in Wichita, Kansas with uh, kind of the leading um, adoption attorney in the city. And we sat in his office and we had all kinds of questions. We began asking him about And, and he said, you know, really what you need to prepare yourself for is a wait that could truly last several years. You know, you need to be ready that there'll be a lot of ups and there'll be a lot of downs and and there'll be good times, there'll be bad times. You just need to be ready to ride this out. But this could probably take a couple years for you guys. Now, just uh, about five years prior to that experience, I had made this dumb promise. husbands. you ever made a dumb promise to your wife? I promised her because it seemed like an eternity away at five years of marriage that when we were married for 10 years, I would take her to Hawaii because five years was never coming. I didn't think we were ever going to get there. It didn't seem like a worrisome thing to promise to her at the time. But as we left the office that day, she now, filled with this newfound sense of assurance that we wouldn't have to worry about it in a few months when our anniversary came, said, hey, you remember back then? Why well, is it be kind of nice if you forget stuff like that every once in a while? She said, um, Ten-year anniversary is coming here in just a couple of months. It may be time to make some plans. And so I went back, and not wanting to ruin my marriage, I went ahead and I bought the plane tickets, and I got everything lined out for this trip. Um, and, and and a few weeks later, I went to Oklahoma City, where I met a few friends for a conference. And about halfway into one of the sessions, I get a phone call from Ashley, and she's just ecstatic. I said, "What is going on? You seem so excited." And I'm not sad about that, but. It just what what's going on? She said, I just got a phone call from this girl, and she wants us to adopt her son. Now there we go. News has come in. I'm at the top of the world. This is excitement. This is a thrill. I've got joy in the moment. And then I started remembering. I just bought plane tickets and I just did this and I just did that. And we've got this dream kind of vacation we're gonna go on. I said, honey, how long do we have? You men know what I'm talking about. Joy of fatherhood comes with a share of worries. And she said, um, it's okay. You know, she's nine weeks. I said, that's great news. Now I'm back at the top of the world again. I said, oh, so good. We got not, we're only nine weeks in. We got all this time to plan and we can end our time as non-parents with this great vacation and step in, you know, after our anniversary as parents and really go all the way with that whole deal. And she said, no, Austin, I, I, I don't want to mislead you. She's not nine weeks pregnant. She's due in nine weeks And in that moment, I both held in my hands the joy of future fatherhood and the fear of what we would do now that we were bringing home a son prior to the trips and all the plans that we have made. I know your life plays out sometimes like my life. And at times, we experience news that really just gives us joy. It changes our day. Sometimes it changes our month or our lifetime. Maybe you've heard the news before that you got the acceptance letter to the college that you were always dreaming to go to. I mean, that's news that would bring you joy. Maybe you've heard those magic words, it's a boy or, or it's a girl. Maybe after 18 years of dealing with that boy or girl, you hear those other magic words, dad, I'm moving out. I had those? I got a few years left on that one. Maybe you've heard the news that you got the promotion that you were really waiting for. Maybe when your tax returns come back, they seem a little bigger than you anticipated. It's news in moments at times that really change our day or change our outlook that give us joy. But your life plays out like mine because not all the news that we get is good news. Sometimes we get news that rather than give us joy, it shakes the joy in our life, maybe you've heard the news that your company's downsizing. Or at some point in time, you've heard the news that the test results you were waiting for came back the way you didn't want them to. Maybe at times you've heard the news that someone you love, someone very close to you is gone. And while you can bank on it. You will experience in life from this day forward moments where the news brings you incredible joy. There will also be moments as you go forward in life where the news you receive threatens the joy that you hold on to in life. And so I just want to ask maybe a better or a bigger question. Do our lives have to rise and fall on the news that we receive or the circumstances That surround us? Does the joy that we grab onto in life have to go up and down with the waves that we experience in life? Or is there something that we could grab a hold of? Is there a way that we could experience joy just as much in the difficult times in life as when life is at its best? And if you're here this morning and you're struggling with joy? you're here this morning for any reason, for something in your past, for something that you're looking down the road at, or for something you're experiencing right now and here and today, you, you begin to look at your joy and go, I don't, I don't know that I can be a person of joy in this moment. The news that I have for you is great because all around the world, churches are gathering just like we are today to look back at a singular moment in history, the birth of a baby that has forever changed your access and my access and humanity's access to joy. And I wanna just talk about a big idea this morning that will really drive our conversation together. This is what it says. We can find joy in Jesus even when we find pain in life. We can find joy in Jesus even when we find pain in life. Now, that may sound like a self-help book at a distance, but hang on because I want to break this down a little bit. We want to take a look this morning at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. We have ushers coming forward. If you need a Bible, uh, just be sure to raise your hand. They'll give you one of those. You can borrow it. You can take it home. We would love for you to keep that. Or you can just read with us on the screen here. In Luke chapter two, verses eight through 11, uh, this is what we read. It says, and there were shepherds living in the field nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, "'Do not be afraid. "'I bring you good news "'that will cause great joy for all the people. "'Today in the town of David, "'a Savior has been born to you. "'He is the Messiah, the Lord.'" Now, if you grew up like I grew up, you've probably heard this verse about 10,000 times. You don't even have to go to church to have heard this verse. You just need to see Charlie Brown Christmas, right? Linus reads this to us every year, but I want you to lean into this. I don't want you to miss how, how big the gravity of what these angels have said really is. See, a baby being born is not the reason that we all have access to joy this morning. I'm sure on that night, all kinds of babies were born. And while it gave incredible joy to their parents, it didn't change a whole lot down the block. What changes our access to joy this morning is exactly who this baby that was born was. And so I want to look again at verses 10 through 11 and three statements made about Jesus that will forever change how you can grab onto joy no matter what you face in life. Let's read it one more time. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And these three titles given to Jesus are the reasons today that we will kind of zoom in and look at how you and I can access joy because of who He is. This first title they give to Him is this it's the title of Lord. Now, I tried to get Ashley to call me Lord in the house, it didn't go over so well. And if you don't, you know, go to like those Renaissance festivals, or you're not into all that medieval stuff, I'm sure Lord isn't a real normal title around your home either. And so a quick Google search kind of turns up this definition of the word Lord. This is what it says, someone or something having power, authority, or influence, a master or a ruler. Now that kind of sounds like a downer, right? You go, Jesus, you're my Lord. Great, I got another boss. I got plenty of bosses, you know, floating around. Ultimately, what scripture tells us and what the definition of this word Lord tells us is that as Lord, Jesus has authority. A Lord is anyone who has authority. And it's this term that caused incredible amounts of trouble for Jesus all throughout his ministry. When Jesus was born, there was this king named Herod who didn't want to give up his authority And so rather than kneeling to Jesus as Lord, he had hundreds of babies executed, hoping to stop the spread of the news of this baby. Later on in his life, Jesus came up against Jewish leaders who were very prominent, had tons of authority, and they didn't want to see the authority that they had transferred over to Jesus. And so they worked and did everything in their power to have Jesus arrested, to hopefully shut down his lordship, his authority, even beyond that. They partnered with Pilate and the Roman government who said, there is no way we can allow anyone else to lay claim to Lord of the land other than Caesar. And they eventually executed and crucified Jesus all because of this title given to him, not just a baby boy, but Lord. So you go show up in a teenager's house and tell them, hey, I'm in charge now. Doesn't go very well. Matter of fact, teenagers, if you're here, truth is, your parents don't like it when anybody shows up and tells them they're in charge now. Either none of us, including myself, like to give over authority in our lives. But I'm here to tell you, when this announcement came that Jesus was Lord, it is the single greatest statement we can hold on to this morning because in giving over our authority to Jesus, we get to experience something that we wouldn't get in any other way. So here's what comes inseparably with authority. Every time you have authority, you also bear responsibility. Authority is inseparable from responsibility. And when Jesus comes to us and says, would you allow me to be Lord of your life? He doesn't do so as a rulemeister bent on controlling every aspect of you. He comes in as someone with the greatest plan for your life that you will ever hold in your hands, one who knows your future better than you can ever see, who wants the best for you in ways that you never could and says this about it, no matter what mess you've made in the past, I not only have the authority to lead you boldly to the future, but I also take responsibility for the outcome of your life. How many of us have played Lord in our lives at times and and tried to pretend to be the Lord of our finances or the Lord of our marriage or the Lord of our business partnerships or the Lord of our budget, whatever it is, and made an absolute mess of it. And when we come responsible for the decisions that we've made playing Lord or the authority figure, we would give anything to get out of the situation, right? And Jesus just looks at us today and he makes this invitation coming into our lives as Lord. It says, look, why don't you let me have the authority here because I will take responsibility for this day and every day that will come in the future. Philippians 1.6 says it this way, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. You can take confidence in Jesus no matter where he calls you or what he asks of you, no matter where he leads you because he will not overshadow you with his authority and not take responsibility for where he calls you to go. Jesus is the best authority figure we can ever place over our lives. Andy Stanley says it this way, God takes full responsibility for the life fully devoted to him. There is nowhere he will call you that he cannot see you through. There's an incredible amount of joy that we have in giving Jesus the lordship and the authority in our lives. So are you here today in the middle of a situation that you don't know how to get out of Are you here today in the middle of something that that you don't know how to undo or untie? You don't know how to undo what's happened in your marriage. You don't know how to undo what's happened in your finances. You don't know how to undo the areas that you've played, Lord, in your life. Jesus just invites you. Would you let me be, Lord, I can lead you ahead. And I will take responsibility for what happens from this day forward. See, you and I, no matter what we've come in experiencing, as our big idea says, we can find joy in Jesus even when we find pain in life. The second uh, title given to Jesus is just as important. It's the title of Messiah. In Hebrew, the title Messiah literally means the anointed one, one who has experienced the anointing or a touch by God. And scripturally, as you look back, when God's anointing came over on someone, God's power came with it. Now, this is a big deal because you and I would be crazy to give the authority of our lives over to someone who didn't have the power to do anything about where he leads us. I mean, we, we all know this. You may not have known it before, but you've seen this play out. Anybody have the friend, the family member who's got the five-year-old that runs the house? They only go out when the five-year-old's in the right mood. And if the five-year-old gets in a bad mood, you know, they all go pack up in the car and go home. And everyone else in the room, what do you do? You just look and you go, That is crazy. Why is this five-year-old calling the shots? Why is the five-year-old running the house? Some of you have that five-year-old. I may grow into having that five-year-old. We all think it's crazy for one specific reason. That five-year-old has no power to handle the responsibilities in their life. So why should they have the authority to direct an entire family? And so when you and I begin to think about Jesus... As Lord in our life, we better quickly realize that he's not just Lord, he is Messiah. He is Jesus, the anointed one. He is the one who not only bears the wisdom to give authority to our lives, but the power to face anything we may ever, ever, ever experience. This Jesus, sometimes we forget who he is. He is the son of man, as we read in Daniel. He's the Jesus who walked on water. He's the Jesus who healed paralyzed people, who gave sight to blind eyes, who raises the dead multiple times in scripture. He's Jesus who looks at the future of his life and says, they're gonna kill me, they're gonna crucify me, and I'm gonna come back from the dead in three days. And rather than tuck tail and run, he digs in and sees it through to the end. This is Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah, the son of God. See, Jesus isn't just some guy who had a brush with the power of God. Jesus is God himself. Colossians 1:19 says this, For God was pleased to have all, say all. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And later having a conversation after his resurrection, or having a conversation with Philip, he, he says this to him. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. When we reach out to Jesus, the Messiah, we harness every ounce of the power of heaven. It is at our disposal because we serve Jesus Lord and Jesus Messiah. And you may have come in here today with an impossible situation. You got those test results that you don't want to hear about. Maybe you've got the financial situation that you don't know how to navigate. You got a mess in your marriage and you don't know if there's any way by your own power that it can be put back together. You got a child who's running wild. And you've done everything you know how to do as a mom or as dad to put it back together and you don't know how to fix it for them. It doesn't matter what you face here. I got good news for you. Don't miss it. It'll cause you some real joy. Jesus is Messiah. And that changes everything for us. See, we can find joy in life. We can find joy in Jesus. Even we find pain in life because he is Lord. He's Messiah. See, here's the last thing we find out about Jesus. It's the best news you're going to hear all morning. You better write it down, take it home, because it'll change everything. Jesus is also said to be our Savior. See, I'm a little bit of a skeptic. So my grandpa used to tell me, old saying, you probably heard it before, power corrupts. And absolute power, it corrupts absolutely. See, I get a little nervous when people get a little too much authority and a little too much power all at the same time. If you've watched the news cycles over the weekend, there are parades and parties being held in Miami. Why? Because there's this guy named Fidel Castro... And he took charge of an entire country and he had all the power and he had all the authority and given that power and that authority long enough, he ruined an entire nation, devastated generations of people. And they're celebrating because he no longer has power and he no longer has authority. And when we begin to lay claim to the fact that Jesus is Lord having all authority and he is Messiah having all power, the skeptic inside of me goes, well, what's this guy really like? there have been a few times I've given too much lordship, too much authority. I've given too much, you know, power to people in my lives. And I've gotten bit by that. We read in scripture that Jesus is our savior. What they're ultimately saying is that when it comes to your story and when it comes to my story, Jesus is the hero every single time. See, John 3, 16 through 17 says it this way, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We all remember that part, but here's the better part. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. You ever think, you know, God, what do you want from me? Are you just mad at me? You know, always holding a grudge with me. God's intent for you is clear. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him thinking earlier backstage, 1 John says it this way, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. When God looks at you, he's looking to leverage every ounce of his authority, every ounce of his power to be the hero of your story. You gotta get this, the cross put to rest any question of Jesus's intent for your life or for my life. See, when Jesus went to the cross, he took his authority and he laid it down and he took all that power and he laid it down. And he set it all aside so that his life could be given in exchange for our freedom so that his faultless life could be exchanged for the forgiveness for our sinful lives, so that someone would experience death once and for all so that you didn't have to. Jesus is not just Lord with a better plan. He is not just Messiah in all strength. Jesus is Savior who would look at his children, look at his creation and go, I would give of myself so that they could find forgiveness they could not have on their own. Maybe the day you need a savior. Maybe it's been days or weeks or months and you're trying to manage, you're trying to mask, or you're trying to hide your sin. I'm just here to tell you, there's no reason. Why would you do it? Jesus has paid the price. And today all you gotta do is say, God, I've played Lord and I'm not strong enough for Messiah and I, I've done some stuff I'm not proud of. Lord, would you forgive me? You know what you got to do next? Nothing. He's already done it. When we place our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior and Messiah. We become, as 1 first, first Corinthians says, a new creation. And today, you may need a Savior. And I'm telling you, he's already been born. And he has already come. And you have access to a new beginning. That will change your life. You can experience joy in Jesus, even when you find pain in life that you created yourself. So in just a moment, we're going to have one more song together. And I want to invite you to do one of two things. Maybe you're here today and you know a very clear thing in your life that you need Jesus's power for. You need him to step in. You need to cry out and say, God, would you move in this area? You need a Messiah. During this song, I just want you to close your eyes, raise your hands. Maybe you find somebody that you know and have them pray with you and just say, God, would you step into this situation and do what I am powerless to do? Call out to the Messiah. He has made himself available to you. Maybe you've been playing Lord of your life. You've been playing savior of your life. You keep trying to fix it yourself and you keep messing it up every time. And here's what we wanna invite you to do with that. Don't leave here the same after service. Right over here, we're going to have a baptism service to celebrate new life in Jesus. All you got to do is say, God, would you forgive me? I'll follow you. And as a symbol of leaving the old life behind and beginning a brand new life from leaving the old creation to being a brand new person, we want to baptize you. If you didn't bring stuff with you, that's fine. We got shorts and we got shirts and we got everything you need. We even got the towels. We want to invite you to be baptized this morning to begin a brand new reality with jesus See, we can find joy in jesus no matter what we face no matter what life brings because we have a lord we have a messiah we have a savior